I've been talking about the baptism with the Holy Spirit, and I want to continue that theme today. This is actually part three of a series on this, and let me just tell you what happened uh, uh, for those of you that, that have not been here, didn't hear, 42 years ago, September 12th, 1976, I was 17 years old, and I had been on drugs. It's been a mess in my whole teenage life. I got, how many know the wrong, the, the, the wrong people will lead you to the wrong place? If you hang around the wrong people, I don't care what kind of intentions you have, uh, e, uh, wrong, wrong fellowship corrupts you. And that's what the scripture says. And it happened to me. And I came back to Jesus that Sunday, September 12th, that morning, I, I gave my life back to Jesus, came back to a church that Sunday night, and I received an experience called the baptism with the Holy Spirit. And I was almost 18, I was still 17, but it changed me for the rest of my life. Now, I was raised Southern Baptist and the Baptist didn't preach or teach about the baptism with the Holy Spirit. Many of the mainline denominations don't preach or even believe the experience. They believe all of these kind of things were done away with. They're called cessationists. They believe it ceased with the early church with the last apostle and all that just kind of faded away. The problem with that is you don't find that in scripture and even in church history. There have been in every, in every century of uh, the 21st, 20 centuries since Jesus died and, and was raised from the dead and the church began, in every century there has been people in the church who have received what Jesus told the disciples in Acts 1 to wait in Jerusalem to receive, which was the baptism with the Holy Spirit. Jesus, uh, uh, after he was raised from the dead, appeared to his disciples in Acts 1-4 and he told them not to leave Jerusalem specifically, but wait for the promise of the Father, which he said he talked about. Um, John baptized with water, but I'm going to baptize you with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. Ten days later, Jesus went to heaven. Ten days later, there was a Jewish feast day called the Feast of Pentecost. The Jewish, Jews had all these feasts and they represented different things. And so the Feast of Pentecost in the Jewish race had to do with the harvest season when they harvested their grain, their grapes, their crops and such. And they had a big old feast about, yay, God's blessed us and we had rain and we we're able to harvest our crops. So they call it the Feast of Pentecost related to harvest. It's really uncanny that the same feast that related to natural harvest, God used that same feast to be the very day that he sent the Holy Spirit on the first disciples for the purpose of empowering them to reach the spiritual harvest. Does that make sense? It's really uncanny. God is amazing how he does what he does. So the day of Pentecost, the uh, believers were baptized with the Holy Spirit. And then last Sunday, we talked about Acts 8 in Samaria, Acts 10 in a non-Jewish person's house, Cornelius, and then Acts 19 in Ephesus, 20 years after that day of that feast day of the Jews, Pentecost, when the Holy Spirit fell, that he fell again 20 years later. So uh, it wasn't just Acts 2 where the Holy Spirit came. He came all through the book of Acts. And what I want to talk about today, there is a phenomenon that occurs with people that are baptized with the Holy Spirit. Now, this kind of blew me away when I was 17 years old, because I wasn't, I didn't know what to do with this. I, I didn't expect it. My mother received the baptism with the Holy Spirit as a Baptist lady a year prior to me, and it changed her life. She was bold. She had a zeal for God, a hunger for spiritual things I'd never seen before. So when I received this that day, uh, a boldness came on my life, a hunger for God, a hunger for the Word. And then also, what kind of blew me away is when I was baptized with the Holy Spirit, I spoke in a language I didn't know. And it was my inner person talking to God without my mind being involved. And I've been doing that, y'all, for 42 years. 
And I want to talk to you about that. If you've never heard of this, just give me some space. If you're watching online, you say, well, what is he talking about? Give me some space. Let me talk about this a little bit and, uh, and just explain to you exactly what I'm talking about. And I think you'll see uh, there is scriptural validity to what I'm talking about. And then I want to give you some personal examples and then we'll close and go home. So uh, today I want to talk to you about 10 reasons that I believe every believer should be baptized with the Holy Spirit and then speak in the, in the language that comes with the baptism with the Holy Spirit. There are some terms that mean the same thing. So speaking in other tongues, speaking in the unknown tongue, praying in the Spirit, all those, all those ways of saying it are, are, are mean the same thing. There is a language that comes. Acts 2 verse 4, the disciples, along with Peter, along with Mary, the mother of Jesus, along with the, uh, with the apostles, along with believers that were in Jerusalem. 120 people were in an upstairs room on the, on the feast day of the Jews called Pentecost and the Holy Spirit came on them, Acts 2, 4. They were all filled with the Holy Spirit and they began to speak in different languages or the King James says other tongues, other languages. And people heard them. Now, the uncanny thing, if you'll read through the book of Acts at Acts chapter 8 in Samaria, they also, when they received the baptism with the Holy Spirit, they spoke in this, this, these languages they didn't know. In Acts 10, in Cornelius' home, a Gentile, a non-Jewish person, when they got filled with the Holy Spirit, they also spoke in these languages they didn't learn. Then in Acts 19 in Ephesus, 20 years after Pentecost, when they were baptized with the Holy Spirit, when Paul laid hands on them in Ephesus, modern-day Turkey, uh, they, were, they also spoke in these languages they didn't learn called different languages or different kinds of tongues or languages. And at, uh, also uh, the Apostle Paul, Acts chapter 9 on the Damascus Road, Jesus appeared to him. He was persecuting the church. You can read it yourself in your own time. Jesus appeared to him, a, a light. Jesus' visage blinded him. He fell on the ground. Three days later, a, a disciple named Ananias prayed for the Apostle Paul. He was born again, and he was also baptized with the Holy Spirit. And the Apostle Paul also spoke in other languages, which tells you that every instance in the book of Acts where people were filled with the Spirit, they spoke in other languages. Now, I need to, I need to explain that to you a little bit. So let me say it this way. First of all, I, got, I received this experience for me um, 42 years ago, and I did the, I did the math yesterday, this calculator, 15,333 days ago. And I said that to say, now I'm not making this up. I, I'm telling you, every day since then, 15,333 days worth, every day I spend some time speaking in this other language. You say, are you, why? Well, I'm gonna show you why. It's changed my life. It's made me what I am. It's delivered me from death several times. So many things have happened in Susan and I's life as a result of being baptized with the Holy Spirit and learning to pray another way, that, that prayer language that God gives with this experience. Ten reasons, I cover three today. Every believer should speak in other languages or in other tongues. Number one, it's because it's the will of God for every believer. Again, uh, the Apostle Paul said this in 1 Corinthians 14, 5, I wish that you all spoke with tongues. He said, I also want you to prophesy or speak under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. But he said, I want you to all speak in these heavenly languages. 1 Corinthians 14, 18, the Apostle Paul said, I thank my God I speak in tongues more than all of you. I speak in these languages more than all of you put together. So he must have did it a whole lot. 
And he said, uh, in the church, I'd rather speak five words with my understanding. He wasn't, than than 10,000 words in this language. He wasn't decrying that experience. He's just saying, it's not for public use, it's for private use. And it edifies and does something for you personally and spiritually that is really, really, really awesome. It's the will of God for every believer to pray in the spirit. Now, a lot of people go to 1 Corinthians chapter 12 where the apostle Paul, the very end of 1 Corinthians 12, he said, are all apostles, are all prophets, are all evangelists, are all pastors, or all teachers, do all, uh, do all have the gifts of healings? Do all speak in other languages? And the obvious given answer is, well, no, not everybody has the same gifts. But there he's talking about different kinds of tongues with interpretation that's used in public. He's not talking about this language that comes when you're baptized with the Holy Spirit that is a private prayer language. This is something for your personal, private, devotional life that will change your prayer life. Y'all, I pray my mom and daddy taught me to pray now I lay me down to sleep before I went to bed, and then God is great, God is good over my food, and then I heard people pray at church, but and I didn't know how to pray. I prayed the Lord's Prayer, but when I got baptized with the Holy Spirit, it changed my prayer life. Suddenly, there's a communication between my spirit and God bypassing my mind that is absolutely incredible. How many of you know what I'm saying? Number two on your list there, out of 10, 10 reasons, uh, this, this praying in the Spirit, also helps unseat the control of the unrenewed mind that it exerts over your spiritual life. I want you to think about it like this. Think 6,000 years ago at creation. Think uh, Adam and Eve. Think uh, Genesis 3. Think about God coming down in the evening hours of the day as, as the verbiage says in the scriptures and he's communicating with Adam and Eve. They, God is a spirit, John 4 says, and, and he created us in his image. How many know we are spirit beings made in the image of God? In fact, the apostle Paul said there are three parts. We are spirit beings, we have a soul, we live in a body. That is, we are spirit, soul, and body. And so when God first created Adam and Eve, they had spirit, their spirit to God who is the spirit, communion. They fellowship with God from the inside every day. And God spoke to them and they could intuitively hear his voice because how many know God created you to know him? How many hear me? God created you to fellowship with him. God created you to be intimate with him. We just sang the song this morning, Abba, Father. That's a term of endearment. That's like me going up as a little, uh, my little grandson going up to my son saying, Daddy, Daddy. We have this longing for God on the inside. The baptism with the Holy Spirit, that longing for God is sated. It's satisfied to a degree because now there can be heart-to-heart communion with God. The baptism with the Holy Spirit brings a brand new way to pray when Adam and Eve sinned. Think about what happened. Instead of their spirit being in communion with God, they were separated from God spiritually and then their mind took over, their emotions took over, their, their, their selfish will took over, then their bodily appetites and habits took over, and that's the way we live today. Before you come to Jesus, you're controlled by your mind and emotions mostly, and then your will, our will is tainted with self-centeredness. We, want, we do what we want to do at the expense of hurting other people. Is that true? And then our physical appetites take over and our bodies control us. Well, here's a way when you come to Jesus, you're born again. We have a new relationship with God. The Holy Spirit comes in. And with the baptism with the Holy Spirit, think of what happens. A new way to talk to God comes. Suddenly God's made a way for our insides, our spirit nature to fellowship with him the way Adam and Eve did before they sinned. Isn't that awesome to think about? Now, this is an uncanny thought as well. 
See, the baptism with the Holy Spirit and the ensuing ability to pray in another language also helps unseat the control that the natural mind has, not that we should set our mind on the back seat and do nothing with it. I mean, I think I'm a logical person. You need to logically think. You need to use your reasoning faculties, but don't reason God out of your life. How many hear me? Go get an education, but make sure you keep God in the middle of who you are. How many hear me? And with the baptism with the Holy Spirit, think what, think what happens. Now, now, James, the half-brother of Jesus in James 3 said, he said, the tongue no man can tame. It's full, full of, of poison. It's an unruly evil. Uh, sometimes it blesses, other times it curses. He said, no man can tame the tongue, control the tongue. But listen what happens with the baptism with the Holy Spirit. Suddenly, with this experience, God says, you know what? I want control of your mouth. I want control of your voice. I want control of your tongue. Because I get control of your words, I'll take control of you. How many think that's cool? So with the baptism of the Holy Spirit comes a new way to pray, praying in a heavenly language, spirit to spirit, communion with God. Literally, it bypasses the human mind. And you know what it really does? Sets back the spiritual part of us as the ruling part of our life for the first time. That's pretty awesome, would you say? And it helps us with that. We get born again. We get baptized with the Holy Spirit. God's just righting the wrongs that happened when Adam and Eve sinned. And it's an awesome, awesome, awesome way to pray. And it helps us understand God. How about Proverbs 18, 21? Death and life are in the power of the tongue. So if God can get a hold of your tongue, he can get a hold of your life. With the baptism with the Holy Spirit comes a new way to pray in your private devotional life whereby God gets a hold of your ability, your speaking faculties and from your spirit enables you to talk to him in a language only he knows and only he understands. And the scripture says when you're praying that way, you're praying the perfect will of God. So the apostle Paul said this in 1 Corinthians 14, 14. He said, if I pray in a tongue, my spirit... An amplified Bible says, uh, by the Holy Spirit within me is praying, but my understanding, uh, my mind is unproductive. It bears no fruit and it helps nobody. So when you're baptized with the Holy Spirit, a new way to pray comes with that experience. It's really awesome, y'all. First time this happened to me, it really blew me away. I didn't know what to do with it at first. But then as I read, I saw that God wanted me to do this regularly in my private prayer life and that when I did this, I'll be praying the perfect will of of God. Thirdly, as I close today, the praying in the Spirit also provides a way for you to pray about things that you don't know about. Now, I'm going to give you a few illustrations as I close with this day today, but listen to 1 Corinthians 14 too. It tells you what happens when a person prays in the Spirit. For one who speaks in a tongue speaks not to men, but to God. For no one understands or catches his meaning because in the Holy Spirit he utters secret truths and hidden things, not obvious to the understanding. So look at this, look at this again. One who speaks in a tongue speaks not to men, but to God. So a person that prays in the Spirit, they're not talking to you. They're not talking to me. When I do it, I'm not talking to Susan. I'm not talking to my children. I'm not talking to you, so I don't do it in front of you mostly. I do it in front of God. Why? Because I'm talking to God. Let me ask you a question. Is there any value, yes or no, in talking to God? What'd you say? There's value in talking to God? So if, when you pray in the Spirit, you're talking to God, question, is there any value in praying in the Spirit? Obviously, yes. 
Who are you talking to? God. So there's a value in talking to God. Yes, he said no man understands or catches his meaning. You don't even know what you're saying. I'm going to tell you, your mind gives you trouble with praying in the spirit because your mind says, well, what are you saying? You say, I don't know. I I don't know. And your mind says, well, I want to know. I don't know. You're just praying in the spirit. And your mind will say you're wasting your time while you're doing this. You're stupid. You're foolish. Nothing could be further from the truth. No, no, what you're doing is you're talking to God. And then he says, secret truths. What are secret truths? They are things that are real that you don't know about. Let me ask you a question. Is there, are there things in your future, in your family's future, in your family's future, in your friend's future that you don't know about? What? Yes? So if you're praying in the spirit and you're uttering secret truths, is there value in talking to God about the future? And then he says, hidden things. He utters secret truths and hidden to, well, they're hidden to you. What's hidden to you? Things about the now, things about the future. They're hidden. You don't know them that they're coming. What if God gave you an ability to pray about things that are coming that you have no clue are coming? Would that be advantageous, yes or no? Y'all, I've got 42 years of this and y'all, I'll, I'll, I'm about to close her down, but we're gonna start with this next Sunday. I want you to come out here what I gotta say. Let me just give you a few examples of uttering secret truths and hidden things. Uh, February 1980, I had been married five months to this wonderful lady right over here. And I was in the back room and she was in the kitchen and I had been praying in the spirit. Now, you know, when you first start out with this stuff, you start out with two minutes, five minutes, 10 minutes, and now, now all these years, I've worked up, generally, I pray an hour a day, and maybe in 1980, maybe I was prayed for 30 minutes, I don't know. But I was in my bedroom, February 1980, just a few weeks into February, and I was praying in the Spirit, and while I was praying in the Spirit, I stopped. And then this thought floated up. Thoughts come from outside, people, other things, demonic forces can talk, but also thoughts float up from inside. And, and from inside me, this thought came up. You need to go to Rhema Bible Training Center. Wow, that's a new thought. Well, you know, I sat on it. Finally, I went to Susan and said, Susan, you know what I got? I got this thought. I've been praying in the spirit. I got this thought that that we should go to Kenneth Hagin School in Oklahoma. And she said, well, I've been thinking about, I said, you've been thinking about the same thing too? She said, we went. We stayed in Tulsa for eight years. That was the will of God. How did I know that? I was praying in the spirit and it came up. Is that cool? And, you know, hindsight's twenty twenty. I didn't know what was coming up. It was amazing. 1984, January 3rd, 1984. Listen to this. So I minded my own business. There was a terrible blizzard that happened in half of the nation, Tulsa. We got down to below zero for a lot of days, several weeks at night, and we had black ice that forms. I'm in a, I'm in a, a 1984. I had a 1980 Mustang. It was a five-speed. I got out on the main road, put it in second gear and hit black ice. My car starts turning circles and I could not, I mean, the steering wheel's like it's not even there. I start turning circles in the road and, and you know, I'm looking and whoa. And all I could do was cry out in the name of Jesus because I couldn't control my car and it freaks you out. You get it? So I'm turning in circles. I'm looking 
and it's just whirling around and here's a light pole on one side down at the bottom of the hill I'm going down and then a circle and, and then on the other side I noticed there's a drop off. I didn't realize then but it's a 20 foot drop off with a man-made cement bottom with a creek and there's no guardrail. So I'm hitting one of them and the trajectory of my car I kept in the name of Jesus and I hit the brake and, and my car suddenly stopped. I'm not, I promise, I had somebody measure six inches before my car fell down a 20-foot cliff. It stopped. I kept my foot on the clutch, my foot on the, the brake. I hit the emergency brake. I said, whoa, whoa. Opened the door, it just slung out because my car was like this. Oh, thank you, Lord. Went around the car. And, and, and uh, got, somehow got out, had gloves on. It's like, I think it was 27 degrees at that time. It had warmed up from zero. And, and I went around and, and I looked in the passenger side and my keys were dangling in the steering car. So I gotta have my keys to get my house. Walked back around the car, went to grab my keys and fell 20 feet. Broke my wrist. And I thought I broke my hip. Climbed back up the big hill there and went to City of Faith and got my, you know, hand bandaged and then I went to uh, then I, I, got, I called my mother said mom I, I, I had an accident today I just wanted you to know about it and uh, she said and I told her about it she said miss I said what she said for the last several days I've been praying for you and she said I prayed in the spirit what I'm talking about she said I prayed in the spirit and while I'm praying in the spirit I go back in and I pray in, in English my language and she said all I can say in English is in the, and she said I'm hollering it out while I'm praying in the name of Jesus and then I said, well, mama, that's what I said going down the hill. I said, you were praying for me. You prayed me out of death. Isn't that awesome? Fast forward, 2000, uh, 2008. 2008, I was in Goma, Congo doing missionary work. The Hutus and Tutsis had been fighting for generations. We thought we were safe. We were in the city about 3.30 in the afternoon. Uh, we were setting up to do uh, evangelism uh, to 200,000 displaced Congolese in uh, UN camps and here comes an army convoy tanks, troop carriers all kinds of armaments all kinds of big guns and they're all making you know just one single file line coming out of the city I mean uh, soldiers are y'all they're running around helter skelter I mean just running wild eyed their eyes are big like saucers and we said what in the world we made our driver stop we're in an SUV and no kidding while we're stopped while we're stopped uh, a tank <laughs> lost control come out of the convoy and come and right in front of where we are on the side of the road and it was coming up to hit us full speed and it happened so fast so fast that my mind I remember the moment I, the door was locked I tried and I couldn't get out the door but my mind my mind started thinking of what it's going to feel like to be crushed and to die a pancake crushed by a tank and, and, and y'all before you can say scat I mean here comes the tank and I'm not it, suddenly I saw the shadow and the moment it was supposed to hit us suddenly it went rup, rup. they can turn on a dime rup, rup. and it was gone it was gone it was beside us I thought how did that happen when I got home I talked we have 24 hour intercessors when they're doing a missions trip I talked to the people that were praying at 9 o'clock and 9.30 which equal 3 o'clock and 3.30 in Goma, Congo, they were praying. They were praying in the spirit and they were weeping and crying. God gave them a prayer for us. 
Otherwise, I'd be laying in a coffin as a pancake for, for 11 years now. Aren't you glad that God answers prayer? To me, it's awesome you can pray in the Spirit. I'll give you one other, one other illustration. It happens with spiritual things. It happens with natural things. I'm minding my business. It's the second Monday of December, 1993. It's 7 o'clock in the morning or just before 7. I'd gotten up early. I'd read my Bible, and I had a season of praying in the Spirit. I'm standing at the mirror. Here's the sink, and I'm shaving my face, and I'm looking. At then, I had a lot of hair. And I'm looking at my hair and I'm shaving, you know, and, and you know, doing my, dolling up myself, you know, a little bit, you know. And while I'm doing that, I heard, I just finished praying in the spirit. And I heard, right here, go check your oils. What? Go check your oil. I never in my life ever checked the oil in my car at seven o'clock on Monday morning. Ever, ever. But here I am shaving. Check your oil. Shave, and it wouldn't leave me alone. Go check your oil. I was like, these words, what? Stupid, no. Shaving. I don't want to get dirty checking my oil. I had taken kids to school. Well, it wouldn't leave me alone. I got dressed, put my little stuff on my face, prettied up my hair, got outside. The kids are in the van we had. I opened the hood. I took the oil dipstick, and when I pulled it, I, I went, oh, because oil and water don't mix. And I had water in my oil, which means my head gaskets had burst on my engine. And I was, and, and so I rushed to a, to a mechanic and said, man, what's going on? He said, this just happened. If you had drove any length of time with that, you'd have a new engine. You'd have to either replace the vehicle, get a new engine. Otherwise, you know what it cost me? $440 to get it fixed. Now, how did I get that? I was praying in the Spirit. Now, I could give you, I'd sit here all day and give you illustration after illustration. In all of my life, I could give you current illustrations, but we'll have to do it next week because I'm running out of time. How many hear me? Praying in the Spirit, at the moment, it seems like it's doing nothing, but y'all, you're praying about yourself. You're praying about other people. You, have, you could be praying about somebody on the other side of the world that is in harm's way. The ice is about to slit their throat, and, and God's using you to pray, and God works a miracle, and they pass them by. How many hear what I'm saying? Oh, you're praying for another saint somewhere in the world and, and they're about to have a terrible catastrophe erect and somehow God averts it. Or you may be talk, praying about a family member or something in your future. You never know. You're, you're speaking secret truths and hidden things. Friends, I want to encourage you. If you're not baptized with the Holy Spirit, receive it today. You need to be born again, be a child of God. You can receive this experience. But where we're going in the world, you need this experience so you'll know how to pray. You can pray for you, pray for your family, pray for those around you. It's an awesome, awesome experience in God. How many hear what I just said? Stand up on your feet. I run out of time. Did you get something out of that? Oh, my. Everybody say, I'm awake. How many are hungry for God? Two that raise their hand. How about the rest? Are you hungry for God or are you hungry for hamburgers? How about both? Okay, I get it, okay. Listen, stir up your God hunger. You know what? End of life. The only thing that matters when I end my life is what I've done for Jesus and what I've done to help others. Do you know that? So, you know, we want to hone in on our spiritual life. You know, these things like this disaster that's happened here with Hurricane Florence, they, they remind you that life is tenuous and tentative. That we need to focus on the most important things, which is life, which is us, which is others, which is God. How many hear me? 
I want to encourage you today. If you haven't been baptized with the Holy, if you haven't been born again, you need to be born again first. Then if you've been born again but not baptized with the Holy Spirit, ask God for this experience. Ask Him to baptize you with the Holy Spirit. We're concluding the service. And if you've never received this experience, if you're born again, you can receive this experience today if you want it. If you're ready, just have to ask for it. Luke 11, I've got it on the sheet. Go read it on the sheet. If you want it today, we'll have someone stationed right here on my left, your right. Say, I want the baptism of the Holy Spirit. I want all that Jesus has for me. You can receive it today. Or, or you can go home and say, you know what, God? I'm hungry for you. Help me to be hungry. I want everything you have for me. Spend some time in God's presence and wait on God. Worship him. Put some praise and worship music on. Get off by yourself. And you know what? Say, God, baptize me with the Holy Spirit. Jesus, Baptize me with the Holy Spirit. I've had many people that have received that way. Or I've got it on, in the notes. Um, send us an email or call our office and say, I want to meet with pastor or one of the staff team members. I want to be baptized with the Holy Spirit. We'll just talk to you. If you don't understand it, get some understanding. But I encourage you to receive because it will change your life. How many here?